Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses and organizations between 2 to 50 people. My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. Today, I want to talk about how to introduce a process change. Uh, I know I've been talking about firing and it's a bit depressing for the last couple of weeks. Um, but this week, I want to switch gears a bit and sort of focus on one of the stories that I told last week, right? So last week, I t- we were talking about firing too quickly and I, I told... Um, a story about a uh, tendency to try and hire very, very quickly, you know, hire fast, fire fast, and in the process, completely wrecking productivity of the team. Um, I also mentioned, I think the week before last, uh, when on my podcast on firing too slowly, uh, a particular startup that had a CTO that didn't take responsibility for process change and therefore, you know, constantly uh, ground everyone and his team to burnout because everything was chaotic. The workload was forever, you know, terrible. And everybody just worked overtime all the time. Um, process change is something that I think uh, every startup will eventually go through. Part of it is due to the nature of growth. Uh, if you think of your startup as a uh, factory where there are inputs that come in on one end and, you know, your team receives a feature requests or customer support tickets. And then they, they do work and all the other end comes output in the form of you know, whatever it is, software or designs that create business value. Then at some point, if your startup or your business experience growth, uh, inevitably, the sheer amount of tickets or features that you have to deal with just increases in scale and what happens in you know is that your process break everything breaks your organization the way that you set up your teams the processes to deal with certain things it just breaks it it just results in too much work too much chaos and everybody's sort of unhappy and everybody's in pain and you usually do have to introduce uh process changes and if you don't you know um i I would like to think that it's common sense, but apparently my my the story of my friend's CTO uh, shows that it's not common sense. Uh, but it's usually quite clear to most people that you know something has to change, something has to give, right? They can't just keep working close to burnout for weeks on end. And this is sort of like one aspect of it where you uh, want to change process because things have gotten too painful. And in many ways, this is sort of like the easy problem of process change because everybody's sort of willing to just try something because the alternative is to just keep doing what you're doing and that's just not, you know, that's not tenable. Um, there's a different version of this where maybe you want to change a process because you see a problem uh, in the horizon and you think it's a good idea to try to maybe change your code review process or your design review process. Uh, but instead, what happens is that people push back, right? People dig in, uh, they're skeptical, they don't like uh, the process change that you've proposed and they push back. Uh, and a couple of weeks later, um, people sort of just, you know, give up on it and say like, hey, you know, this is a complete disaster. Let's not do that again. And you sort of, uh, it's like a child putting his hand uh, in the fire, uh, cringe back, pull back and say like, okay, you know, process change is very scary, very dangerous. Uh, let's let's be a lot more careful about it. Um, or, you know, other kinds of horrible scenarios when it comes to process change is, for example, uh, you introduce a process. It is a good process, but it takes a lot of energy to implement and to do things the new way instead of doing it the old way. So after a couple of weeks, uh, they they fall back to the old way because nobody's around to sort of just remind them, hey, guys, like, stop, stop doing the old thing. Um, or the other sort of uh, more uh, subtle thing is that you do the process and it's awesome for like one project and then 
over time, priorities shift, new people come in, you know, then they're not properly trained or properly taught that this is the proper process. And so people stop doing the process. And all that upfront energy and cost that you did to create the process, to select and design the process, just falls to the wayside. So how do you think about uh, process change. It's because it's clear that there are a number of ways process change can go wrong. Either it goes wrong because it doesn't take, uh, or it goes wrong uh, because uh, people actively resist it, or it goes wrong because you know people just don't like it and you can't really get it off the ground. You're seeking for help. You're seeking for uh, 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 what do you call it? Confirmation or, or approval from everyone else, and everybody's sort of deadlock over it. And you know your team breaks into little factions, some of which argue for the process change, and some of which don't. Um, well, the way I think about process change is that there are two ways of looking at it. And the first way is to use the lens of pain. Uh, now, in the in the the earlier scenario where I described where your startup is, is experiencing growth and there's too much pain, the old ways are very self, you know, very evidently not gonna cut it, and and people do feel, you know, anything anything to just stop the pain. Um, in this particular scenario, it's really easy to. You know, do a process change because uh, there's so much pain involved. Everybody's sort of just dying under the workload. So there's almost no resistance to trying something, anything, just to make the pain stop. And in this case, you can sort of use the lens of pain to sort of see there's pain before the process change, there's pain during the process change because it takes effort, it takes time, uh, it, it takes, uh, uh, what do you call it, constant reminders to create a new organizational habit. Uh, and then there is pain after you have uh, manage to uh, do the process change. And sometimes uh, uh, if you are in a situation where, you know, the pain is not that great, it's sort of okay, uh, the pain of changing your habits or changing the organizational process is more painful and there is friction before you can get to a after uh, process change state where, you know, where pain is less. And so in this particular situation, you know, there's not much impetus to try something new. People are sort of resistant because they have to do things differently. They have to learn new things. And even though everybody can sort of like, you know, theoretically in their heads say like, yeah, you know, that, that, that way is probably better. Like maybe, you know, 70% certainty, everybody, everybody sort of just says, yeah, it would probably be better. But then nobody's around to sort of push uh, through the pain of transition, push through the pain of the new process training and enforcing it, that it sort of just falls apart. And the last kind of scenario is where the pain is not at all evident. It is completely invisible to everyone in the team. And in fact, might not be evident for a, a year. But you as manager can see that this is going to be a problem one year from now. Uh, and you push through a change and you get a lot of resistance, right? Because like people see like, why do you have to change this? This is not a problem now. They can't see that there's any problems whatsoever because they're individual contributors and very often they don't have your perspective. As a manager, you can sort of, it's your responsibility to see problems way before they happen. And usually you have uh, more organizational context. And so this in this situation, the sets of the set of challenges are very, very different. And to give you a concrete example of this, usually at some point in a startup's life, you have to start looking at your promotion path and your salary packages very carefully because if you don't uh, be careful if you if you're not careful with how you arrange your promotion path with how salaries are tied to promotions then inevitably what would happen is that you know maybe usually around 1.5 years to two years um, 
the people who would start getting higher salaries are the ones who are more able to negotiate, more willing to initiate a salary negotiation. And therefore, it's sort of unfair because some of your most valuable engineers, oh, sorry, what am I saying? Your most valuable employees would be paid a lot less than the, the employees who are more willing and more able to negotiate. And over time, this will create huge problems. This will create political problems. This will create uh, uh, a sense of unfairness and tension. Um, and I have seen uh, teams uh, sort of just get break up or, or, or you know, be incredibly unhappy due to an imbalance in salary and recognition uh, and, and stock, um, usually around the 30 to 50 people mark. Um, so this is something that will come up and it will be a problem and you can see it coming you can see it coming a long way away, especially if you have a, even a little organizational experience. And this is sort of a change that you have to pull through way before this becomes a problem, way before you have this this you know political issue. So that's one way of looking at it, right? Like the lens of pain, um, both pain before, pain during, you know, enforcing the change, making the change, and pain after. And the so that's one lens. Now, the other lens that I like to use is the lens of, um, is it a reversible decision or is it an irreversible decision? So obviously a reversible decision will be something like maybe you want to change your code review process or your design review process, right? If it doesn't work out, if people are not happy with it, you know, after a month, you can probably change back. Sure, there might be some costs, but it is doable to change back without too much of an impact on people's pride, on people's, on the relationships between teammates, on the fundamental structure and productivity of your organization. And of course, the other end of the spectrum are decisions that are not reversible. And I think a good candidate for that will be um, anything that you want to change with regard to promotion paths, because this involves uh, an, a deep sense of fairness. Uh, people might feel betrayed that they're on one promotion path and they have an understanding of how their salary will grow, of how their stock options will grow. And then you completely violate that trust or you, you defy your ex their expectations. Um, I think another example would be if you so decide to shut down a, an office in one location and open an office in another location, right? You can't uh, three months later say, oh, you know, like uh, opening an office in China was a bad idea. Let's move back to Singapore. You can't do that. <laughs> that's, that's irreversible. So some decisions are reversible and some decisions are irreversible. And this second lens should also affect how you approach process change. All right. So with these two lenses, let's sort of look at the general process for process change. And the general process, I mean, the general way you should do a process change is one, tell them what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, why you're going to do it before you do the process change, do the process change. While doing the process change, continue, continually enforce, just like training uh, a, a child or training someone, just remind them, hey, this is the way we do it now. Every time you see somebody forget about doing it, uh, remind them and enforce it. And then after the change has happened, again, tell them uh, what you did, why you did it, and then find ways of getting information on whether the process is taking and what side effects, unintended side effects, uh, might have occurred now that the process is you know, in place and you can actually see how it interacts with various parts of your organization. So that's the general uh, sort of process. And it, it is this way because if you think about it, if you put yourself in the shoes of an average employee, uh, an average individual contributor would want to feel in control of their environment. They would want to feel uh, what's going on. And if you introduce a process change without any explanation of what, how, and why, you just explain 
what and you explain how and you, you neglect to mention why you're doing this or what you've considered if you don't spend t- enough time sort of communicating with them and saying hey you know this is the problem we're trying to fix this and this is what what we're going to do before it it happens uh they will feel incredibly like you know you know how it feels like when you're in a ship and the ship sort of gets hit by a very big wave they feel thrown out, thrown around, right? And they feel like they have no say in the decision. And so this is sort of very basic stuff. But I'm surprised sometimes um, when you're on the other end of the table, when you're a manager, you can sometimes forget because it's so clear to you that this has to be done. Uh, I'm not saying that you must get everyone to sign on. You can pull rank. But I am saying that you do need to warn them way beforehand in the same way that somebody sitting on a, on a boat would probably be more prepared if they see a wave coming on the horizon. The second way I, I, uh, I think about the process of process process change is to explain how it benefits them. So when you explain why, don't just explain why it benefits the team or how it benefits the business or how it reduces some pain, even if the pain isn't, you know, if the pain is not directly related to them, you do have to take some time to say why this would benefit them, even if it's sort of um, indirect, even if it's like it helps the customer support team, which would then make them more able to prioritize, which would then make them uh, uh, happier to deal with or uh, allow them to uh, give you uh, only difficult tasks that require a software engineer to 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 meddle in, um, things like that. Even if it doesn't directly uh, affect them, uh, explain how such a process change would result in some some change, something that will eventually make their lives better. And so that's a huge lesson for me. I remember when I started doing this, I thought I was pretty good at it. And then one day my HR exec pulled me aside and said, Cedric, you have to remember to say why it benefits them on an individual level and then reiterate that and check on that during one-on-ones. And that is a huge deal. Now, the third part of it, the third thing about process change is to always check after you've rolled it out on whether it is taking and whether there are any side effects that you never saw coming. Um, usually in, in companies, if you've read the Starter Manager Guide, if you were in my com- if you are in my company, uh, or if you are in a general tech company, uh, there are one-on-one meetings, right? Regular meetings where you can get information. And of course, when you roll out the process change, you do want to use your the next one-on-one to go check individually with everybody in the team um, and maybe everybody uh around the team as well, if the process is particularly big and particularly important, to check if it's taking well, if they're okay with it, if there are any issues that you know they want to bring up uh, for you to change. And I'd say that the last part of it is obviously, if you have a uh, reversible decision, then you don't really have to care about any of these parts as much. But if you do have a irreversible decision, then obviously you have to slow everything down and be a bit more deliberate and careful for each of these steps that I've just talked about. Anyway, that's it for this week. Um, Cedric out.